Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, Force Rate in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre owned inventory. Fabulous sales staff. Terrific service department, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. By the way, before we get to our play-by-play call of the day and then the incredible Dan Baker, we wanted to pass this along to you. Penn State football players, student-athletes with a 4.0 spring semester GPA. These are all 4.0. Uh, long snapper Joe Calcagno, defensive tackle Judge Culpepper, running back Devin Ford, linebacker Alex Fermantic, uh, kicker Vlad Hilling, quarterback Will Levis, uh, wide receiver Cameron Pika, defensive tackle Antonio Shelton, offensive guard C.J. Thorpe, safety Lamont Wade, and offensive lineman Sal Warmly, all 4.0 for the Nittany Line football team in the spring. All right. Play-by-play call of the day. Aaron Judge goes deep. So let's explain what happened. The double play ended the inning at a pitch count that was under what they wanted to get Velasquez to. So Girardi looked over Boone, and they agreed, let Velasquez stay in rather than sit down again. And he faced Aaron Judge. And uh, Aaron Judge then did this. Crushed a long home run to right center field. Circled the bases. For a while, he stopped circling because he didn't know what was going on because Velasquez just walked up the mound. So it does count as a home run. Here you'll see Judge go, what's going on here? Hands out. I'll go back to the dugout. No, no, it's a home run. So he completes his tour around the bases, got himself a home run. That was the end of the inning on a home run. Yeah, fortunately, there's 24 hours in a day to go through all that. All right, it's fabulous. (laughs) That was uh, Michael K on Yes. Somebody would have explained it in far fewer words as Dan Baker. Dan, my friend, it is so wonderful to hear that great voice again. Steve, and it is great to hear your voice. I, I just wanted to add that I had a 4.0, Steve, in my sophomore year, a 2.0 in the fall semester and a 2.0 <laughs> in the spring semester. Oh, I did. I actually did that one time. I said, I don't get what the pr- big deal with the 4.0 is. I said, Jack Ham and I combined for one. Right. Right, so <laughs> How, first of all, I hope you and yours are safe and sound. That's the most important part. Yeah, these are crazy times, aren't they? Um, uh, I, I just wish, uh, as a country, that we could uh, 
use the willpower and common sense necessary to uh, bring this virus to its knees uh, like uh, most of the countries around the world have. Yeah, I'm with you all the way, absolutely. Whatever we can do to just get rid of it, let's just get rid of it. Yes. So, So for you, let's start with this. First of all, what was it like to be back announcing in an empty ballpark? Well, of course it was different, uh, but it was just great, Steve, to be back uh, announcing baseball. Uh, Of course, I've done that my whole life. This is my 49th season as the Phillies PA announcer coming up. And uh, since the retirement of the late uh, great Bob Shepard from the Yankees following the 2007 season, I have been the... uh, senior PA announcer in Major League Baseball. So I just uh, so much enjoy announcing the games. And, uh, you know, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like for you not doing Penn State football and what it would be like for the the listeners not to be able to hear your great voice? You know, you, you uh, if we're lucky enough to be given an opportunity, Steve, like you and I have, and we want to be proper custodians, uh, you know, you have to love it. And and we certainly do that. And um, it's just good to get back. Now, as far as to announcing uh, to an empty stadium, uh, uh, Steve, I've actually done high school and college games, both at Veterans Stadium, the predecessor of Citizens Bank Park, as well as CBP, uh, where there's only been, you know, a couple of hundred people in the stands. And uh, when you when you're talking about a sixty thousand seat stadium like Veterans Stadium or forty five thousand in the case of Citizens Bank Park, uh, just a, a couple hundred people uh, in uh, a stadium that large looks like nobody. Um, so I have I have announced uh, to uh, uh, somewhat empty stadiums before, and you know it's uh, you you and I have a job to do. We have a responsibility yes. to pronounce those names correctly, uh, to do it professionally, uh, whether there's one person in the stands or whether there's a sellout. And I, I always keep that in mind. And uh, I, I know from listening to you, and I think you know from listening to me, that uh, while we like to emote and get excited uh, when we're doing our things, uh, you know, you, you don't want to err on the side of uh, screaming and shouting and hollering to the point where people can't understand us because we have a responsibility. We're providing a service. We're providing information to the fans. And if we're not conveying that accurately uh, and concisely, uh, I think we're doing a disservice to the fans. Well said. That is exactly what uh, I'm going to quote you verbatim in my broadcast class. Now let's get to the actual setup in the booth have they what have they done in that booth for you is it exactly the same as it was have they set up something differently for you there what's it like uh, there's much less people uh, normally steve i'm in uh, the scoreboard room also known as fanavision control 
uh, which yep. uh, for those who are familiar with Citizens Bank Park, it's on the 200. Uh, it's on the uh, 200 level, which is also the press box level and the Hall of Fame seating level, and we're right behind Section 212, which is about halfway between first base and the right field foul pole. And normally in our room, we have about 24 people uh, working uh, the game. Uh, uh, you know, there's a couple of audio people, and there's a director, and of course, the, while the cameramen aren't in there during the game, they're based out of there. We usually have a half a dozen of those throughout the ballpark. And uh, we have graphics people, scoreboard operators, Chiron, uh, animation uh, people, uh, replay, uh, and not to mention technical people, and uh and I'm, I'm leaving out, and please forgive me, uh, others who are, are very important. Uh, but um, I just wanted to give you an idea, uh, Steve and Matt, of the numbers. And uh, But for uh, I did uh, four intra-squad Phillies games last week, and then, of course, the Phillies-Orioles uh, summer camp exhibition game Sunday night. And instead of 24 people in the room, we had maybe six to eight. So okay. uh, a, a much smaller staff, and uh, everybody is spread out. And, uh, of course, uh, people are multitasking, you know. And uh, the Phillies, like all of the other professional teams that I'm aware of, are doing their best to try to observe uh, uh, social distancing rules, masking rules, uh, everybody had a mask on except me, uh, because right. you know, for me to announce and just on and off, on and off, on and off, and in between innings, I would put my mask on, and uh, of course, before the game starts, I would be up there, uh, you know, with my mask on, and after the game, as soon as the game is over, I put it back on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's much different, uh, and it, and it makes it a little more challenging because we don't have quite the assistance uh, that we normally do, you know, right. like spotters and, and, and the like. Uh, they're also, uh, Steve, you know how important they are for a play-by-play -play guy and also for a public address announcer, you know, to, to help point out, you know, who's on deck, uh, a potential substitute, you know, who's warming up in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, when you can anticipate, it, it makes it much easier when you have to make the actual announcement when you know in advance who it's likely to be and where to go to get the information to announce him. What does this, um, what does Major League Baseball returning as the first team sport, in your opinion, Dan, what does that do to the psyche of the fan? What does it do to the psyche of Philadelphia, even though fans can't be there? But what do you think it does for the psyche of everybody just to have it back? I think it improves the psyche, Steve, tremendously. Uh, just to have a diversion in these challenging times. Um, uh, these are among the most difficult times I can ever remember. Uh, you know, I, I think in many respects, Steve, you know, we've been spared. Uh, you're younger than me, uh, but, uh, you know, think of, you know, our uh, 
ancestors who maybe fought in World War One or World War Two or the Korean War or yeah. the Vietnam War. I had friends that served. I, I uh, as it happened, uh, didn't have to serve because I was teaching in Philadelphia, an inner city school district, uh, for, for which I was given a deferment. Uh, but, uh, you know, many generations that preceded us made huge sacrifices, and of course they faced worldwide, uh, you know, uh, epidemics, uh, that Spanish flu in 1918 that we've all heard about, and of course you can go back into the Middle Ages and some of the uh, awful things that occurred then. Um, but we've been, I think we've been uh, very fortunate uh, until now. Uh, and then, of course, there, you know, the, the social injustices that need to be addressed. Uh, and um, unfortunately, you know, for too long we've been turning a blind eye to. And, uh, you know, I, I, with the events that have unfolded uh, this year, uh, I think it's very, very evident that uh, uh, we need to address these and treat everybody equally and fairly. And uh, but that's not going to be easy, you know, with some of the mindsets that exist. And uh, there's there's going to need to be a re-education. Uh, you know, the young people are just a, a wonderful hope for the future. You know, they they. Um, uh, seem to be so m much more open-minded. Uh, you know, we're we're all subject to certain prejudices. You know that you learn uh, in life, and and maybe you uh, incorrectly think this is the way things are supposed to be. Um, and you know you you, ha you you have to learn these things, and uh, and, and many times we learn we learn them. Uh, you know. Uh, by ourselves, we see what takes place in life, and you know we can make value judgments as to what's right and wrong, and and hopefully, you know, we do more things right than we do wrong. As for the team of the season, it's going to be a National League East, American League East centric. There'll be a designated hitter. Dan Baker will have to explain in extra innings that the runner's being put on second base, and it was the last out of the previous inning. Now, yeah. in doing minor league baseball, it's a rule the last couple of years I personally am very familiar with. Uh, so, Dan, in a 60-game sprint, which is what this is, how exciting can this be? I think it can be very exciting. And, you know, Steve, I apologize for getting off on a tangent. No, <laughs> don't, tangent, no. Uh, because I don't think that I, I, I fully answered the previous question that you asked about the positive effect on the psyche of Philadelphia sports fans, who, who like sports fans everywhere, needed something uh, for a diversion with all of these challenges uh, that exist, uh, you know, health-wise and uh, socially. And um, But I, I think in Philadelphia we're very fortunate because we have a team that's on the verge of winning. You, you've seen it with Penn State football, Steve, I'm sure, you know, as it turns over and, uh, you know, you've had such a great run, but occasionally, you know, you, you might uh, graduate so many upperclassmen, uh, so many yeah. seniors that, uh, you know, you have to rebuild for a year or two, and, and then you're right back there again. Um, 
and I, I see it in baseball. Uh, you know, uh, before the Phillies went on that fantastic run from 2007 to 2011, you know, they, they just missed making the playoffs in the yep. couple of years before that, 2004, 2005, 2006. But you could see this was a team on the come. And, uh, and I believe, Steve, that this is a team on the come. And there are some good young players. And although I don't think they're going to be on the active roster to begin the season, uh, pitcher Spencer Howard um, and uh, third baseman Alec Bohm uh, are, yeah, not... are they're going, they're yeah, going go to make ahead, a, yeah. I, I think a, a, an impression before this season is out. Yeah, because uh, I I did so I did Bohm's games when he was up at Williamsport. I uh, didn't like him as a third baseman. Loved him as a hitter. <laughs> he loved him as a hitter. Yeah, we 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 hear uh, you know some some of the, the people on the instructional staff say that he uh, is getting better defensively, um, and uh, you know I I don't know ultimately. Uh, well, as you know, Steve, and you referred to it uh, at the start, uh, you know, the, the, the National League is going to use a DH this year, and it's probably going to use a DH in the future. So that, right. you know, gives uh, NL teams like the American League, you know, a, a place to put a guy who is uh, primarily an offensive player, uh, like we all know that Alec is already. Now, you know, whether he'll, you know, uh, uh, mature uh, defensively as well, which everybody hopes. That, you know that that's an unknown. But if, if there's a DH position, uh, you know that would provide an opportunity for someone who's not as handy with the glove. Um, but I th- I think they're optimistic, uh, uh, and uh, you know only time will tell. What what was your thoughts, Steve? Uh, did you think that? Do you feel like he's got the proper hands or range, or uh, what is it? He does. Does he focus what, as a what, offensive player? Offensive player, I just like his bat. I think he. I think he has great gap to gap power. Uh, plus, obviously, he can turn on a ball. What I didn't like about him defensively is, that, you know, we talk about the ability of somebody to bend. You know, have that. He doesn't. He doesn't get himself because he. I think because of, of height. You know, Cal Ripken and and A Rod are big shortstops. Now Bohm's not a shortstop, but they could get down on a ball. Alex struggles to get down on a ball when he's playing at third base. Now I think if you flip him to first base, now of course now you got Reese Hoskins there, but I think now you've got. Uh, I think that might be a better position for him moving forward. That's just me, you know. Trying to play third base in the majors as opposed to playing it at Wichita State. Alec replaced uh, Reese at first base on Sunday night and acquitted himself well. In fact, made a real nice uh, scoop in the dirt of a, uh, a low throw that uh, actually hit the ground. And uh, uh, Alec uh, did a good job, uh, you know, getting it uh, on the back end of a double play. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. 49th. Wonderful season. How fortunate the people of Philadelphia have been and how fortunate we continue to be that you and I have had a friendship all these years. Dan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time you gave us today. 
You're welcome, Steve. Best of luck to you and the Nittany Lions. <laughs> the great Dan Baker. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that in the in the business. Uh, boy, he, hearing that voice at the Palestra, hearing that voice at the Vet in Citizens Bank Park. Oh, 49 seasons. 49. Brings back a lot of memories for me, too, Steve. I remember hearing him at my first Eagles game at the Vet, which was the Vet's final year, and then hearing him again at the Phillies, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, he gets to do both teams? And I was yeah. so sad, of course, when uh, the Eagles let him yeah. go after 29 years, but still yeah. doing a great job at Citizens Bank Park. Oh, incredible. Uh, just tremendous. And he's a part of the fabric of what makes Phillies baseball fun. He's part of the fabric of that. I, I just think the world of Dan. I uh, just really do. I love having him on the show. Just, you know, in the chances I've had to, to talk to him in person when I've been down in Philadelphia. He's a great guy. Great announcer. Real pros pro. And an important part of the Citizens Bank Park experience. Very important. All right. Boy, I can imagine we get the next year. It'll be his 50th year. Wow. He says how lucky he's been. He's right, but how lucky the fans are. All right, and the club. We'll come back with uh, more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Great product lines. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous Sales staff, terrific service department to take care of the life of your vehicle. It's all one-stop shopping. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Phil Steele in a moment. But just uh, what we mentioned at the top, in case you missed it, uh, 11 Penn State uh, football student-athletes with a 4.0 spring semester GPA. One of the, I mean, these are all terrific guys. I mean, you talk to them for five minutes, you can understand why they're 4.0. Joe Calcagno, long snapper. Uh, kinesiology is his major. Judge Culpepper, defensive tackle, his major's history. Devin Ford, closing out his freshman year, has not declared a major yet, so he's in the Division of Undergraduate Studies, but Devin Ford, a 4.0. Alex Fermanic, linebacker, same story, Division of Undergraduate Studies. Vlad Hilling, the place kicker. His major is Russian. Will Levis, quarterback, major, finance. Wide receiver Cameron Pika, major, finance. Defensive tackle Antonio Shelton, who, by the way, was he along with Cam Sullivan Brown were terrific interns for us last year at Channel Three. Well, telecommunications is Antonio's major, and he got a 4.0 in the spring. Uh, offensive guard C.J. Thorpe. Philosophy is C.J.'s major, 4.0. Lamont Wade. What about? 
18 months ago, we're talking about him being in the transfer portal. He then comes back. He turns in a fabulous, I mean, a fabulous junior season. That was one of the better point A to point B improvements I've seen in a while here at Penn State from a player. Well, not only that, classroom 4.0, major for Lamont Wade, recreation, park, and tourism management. And freshman offensive lineman Sal Wormley. Like uh, Devin Ford, still hasn't declared a major yet, thus in the Division of Undergraduate Studies. So congratulations to them. Well deserved. All right, now let's get into some meat and potatoes. College football, he is, in my opinion, uh, the best of the business, and he works harder every year to continue to be the best in the business. That is Phil Steele. Phil, you and yours, I hope they're safe. It is so great to hear you again. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, Stephen. How about yours? Everybody's great here. Thank you for asking, Phil. Appreciate that. Well, this is a Penn State football team. I know Jack Ham and I have said we are so anxious to watch play because we think they have so much. So let's get to a couple of basics, and then I'm going to get to a couple of players. What's your basic overview of Penn State heading into this one? Anybody in the Big Ten is going to knock off Ohio State. You got to think it's Penn State. And you know, I love the job that James Franklin's been doing building yep. this team. Uh, I remember going over the team with them his first year. You know, guys in the two deep were you know, a couple of walk-ons here and there, and it was a thin <laughs> team. And and now you go over the team with Coach Franklin, it takes a, takes a good hour. We're going over every player on the team, and you know, the three deep is not just players, but highly touted players. So this is an extremely deep team, talented team, experienced team. I'm excited about this year's Penn State squad. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, I know that Jack Ham and I, when we have talked about, in fact, he's literally calling me right now. <laughs> I'm, literally, I'm not joking. He's actually calling on my phone. Uh, when we would go to practice in the, in the 2000s, he'd say, hey, let's go and take a look at the third, the third team linebackers. First thing, because, you know, he wants to watch the linebackers. Well, right. then, then when we went, went through the trouble times, he said, boy, they can't get anybody in that first team hurt. Now we're back to looking at the third team guys again. See, that's how it's changed. And that, yeah. go, that goes with what you're saying. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like I said, going to, going over the team with Coach Franklin through the years, you know, each of the seven years he's uh, been there, uh, this is by far the deepest team I've seen on the field at every position. And even the running back spot, you go there and you can go probably five, six deep at running back and, and with talented guys. I'm not talking about, you know, a walk-on that's on the depth chart. I'm right. talking about talent at each of these spots that I'm talking about. All right, so you, not only do you do overall rankings on teams and take a good in-depth look at them, but also individuals. So let's start with Micah Parsons because obviously he'll be the guy most people talk about. Yeah, Micah Parsons probably the best linebacker in college football. And yeah. Yeah, I get a kick out of the fact in 2018 he didn't start a game, huh? You know, but he's a leading <laughs> tackler. We know he's on the field most of the game, but yeah. you can't start a true freshman, right? Yeah. But uh, last year, how about 109 tackles, five sacks? And if you're talking to NFL guys, uh, they'll tell you he's a top linebacker in the country. He's everything you want in a linebacker. He's 6'3", 244. You know, he's got the size you want. He's got the speed. He's just everything you want in a linebacker. He'll probably be the top linebacker taken in next year's draft. So let's flip it to the other side now. What is your, what are your thoughts on tight end Pat Fryermuth? 
could be the best tight end in the country. Yeah. And I'm on the I'm on the John Mackey Award Committee. Yeah. And so uh, you know we we definitely look at tight ends at the start of the year. I got to tell you, I put Pat Firemuth as my first team All American tight end coming into the season. He's your complete tight end. He's got soft hands. He's a leader, uh, and he's a guy that's a, a good blocker, which we take we take yes. into account on the Mackey. We don't want those H back types that are split out half the time and right. catching seventy balls. We want a true tight end, and this guy is a true tight end. 6'5", 259, can block, can go get the football, and uh, probably the most complete tight end in the country. Yeah, in fact, uh, if you're looking in the NFL, I'll give you a name that, that is the opposite of that. Cooper Cup, for example. Yeah, he plays the right. H-back, but they split him out almost all the time. Uh, yeah, okay. we get we get yeah. we get knocked sometimes on the Mackey because we eliminate those guys. You know the 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 types that are that are spread out more of a flex tight end that yeah. catch seventy five and and people are like, well, well, this guy has seventy five catches. Like, well, he's not a tight end. He can't even block a defensive end. Pat Farmer can block a defensive end. Exactly. So obviously, with the offensive line, probably the deepest offensive line I'd say Penn State's had since two thousand eight, in my opinion. Uh, but behind it is Sean Clifford. Uh, you and I both know, and I'm sure James brought it up, that he wasn't completely healthy at the end of last season. What can he mean to what Penn State does this year? Huge. You know, having a veteran quarterback is a key to a lot of teams, and especially this year, Steve, because of the the lack of spring practices in a lot of places. You want the teams that have the best continuity, and this is a great year for Penn State to be an experienced team with an experienced quarterback. And you touched on it. At the end of the year last year, he got banged up, and then Will Levis even came in against Ohio State. Looked pretty good in that game, and then not so good the next week. But Clifford is a guy that's got uh, everything. And he's probably a little more athletic than people realize, and he's got, uh, he had a great offseason. He's got the size, decent size at 6'2", 219. And I like the fact that last year he hit you know 59% of his passes, 23-7 ratio yeah. means you're making good decisions on the field. So there's a lot to like about Sean Clifford. I don't think he's going to be you know, first-round draft pick type of quarterback, but I like Sean Clifford. Yeah. Uh, what about the running back spot uh, in your opinion? It's Journey Brown, Noah Kane, and also Devin Ford that a lot of people don't talk about because he didn't get the reps the other two got. Yeah, Ford's got a huge upside. Yeah. I mean, he's 5'11", 210, yeah. and He's, he can run. He's smart. Does a lot of things really well. He can catch the ball in the backfield. And, you know, you can even go deeper than that. There's three true freshmen coming in. Yeah. And Kazea Holmes, Kayvon Lee, yeah. and uh, Tank Smith. All three of those guys could be the guys. So, I mean, this is really probably the least under the least recruited of the six running backs they have is Journey Brown, the yeah. starter. Everybody else is one of those what I call VHTs. <laughs> Uh, Journey Brown is a guy that uh, you know was uh, recruited naturally, but not as highly recruited as the other guys. Yet he's been highly productive. So I love that run, running back core this year. Yeah, he came in as a guy who was known as a great sprinter, and then you watch him in practice, Phil, and all of a sudden you realize the guy runs between the tackles. That's where I think he's made a big, big uh, plus in, in his movement upward. Uh, I want to ask about Ohio State now. Uh, usually, when I look at Ohio State, the first item I look at is normally who goes. Uh, and enters into the NFL draft. And then I looked at Wyatt Davis. I was a little surprised he didn't go, but what does that do to their offensive line just by his mere presence there to go with the combination they have up front? Yeah, three offensive linemen basically turned down the NFL. Yeah. I think Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Thayer Munford all could have gone, yep. and yet once one of them opted to return, boom, boom, and 
Ryan Day had to be as happy as anybody right there when those three guys. Well, probably as happy as Justin Fields, their quarterback, yeah. because that's going to be great protection for them. And Ohio State, you know, I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee for Offensive Line, and yeah. I always bounce my list off of those guys prior. I have Ohio State rated the number four offensive line in the country, and I didn't get any bounce back on that. So you are looking at three NFL caliber guys, and they've got, you know, probably left guard, the biggest question mark Ohio State has. Uh, I'm projecting Harry Miller steps in there, but it yeah. could be he or Paris Johnson or Matthew yep. Jones. That's the one question they have on the offensive line, but that's a top-notch unit. No, big difference from last year. Yeah, it is a big difference from last year. There's no question about that in the, in the, the way they play. What I really was big on J.K. Dobbins. Um, I, I think we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to what we thought of J.K. Dobbins. But the transfer from Oklahoma, what does that do to the backfield, especially because uh, Master Teague was would, Master Teague would not have been able to go during the course of the spring. We know that. So what does that mean? I think it was necessary because yes. that's really my biggest question mark on this year's Ohio State team is running back and running back depth. Now, you know, Sermon coming in is nice. Master Teague, we don't know if he's going to be ready right. for the season or not with the Achilles. Uh, you got uh, Demario McCall could switch over from slot back. Marcus Crowley, Steel Chambers. But, I mean, last year they not only had J.K. Dobbins, they had a 100% Master Teague. So yes. no matter who they hit you with, they were dangerous. That is my biggest question mark on Ohio State there. And, ironically, I'm going to say it's their Achilles heel. If you get my drift. Yeah, I get your drift. <laughs> I get I, I get your gr- drift. Because when Masters did come in, you know, not many reps against Penn State in that Penn State game because Dobbins played so well. But Dobbins needed a break once in a while. Teague played really well, and yes, I get it, on the Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had... He had 789 yards last year, yeah. 5.8 yards a carry. He was dynamic. He was dynamic. Uh, I've got to get to Michigan here within this. Shea Patterson has held the fourth down at quarterback the last two years. The one element that surprised me about Jim Harbaugh and his tenure there has been so far his inability to actually recruit his own guy and then develop his own guy. Does he potentially have that now in Dylan McCaffrey, in your opinion? Yeah, and I think McCaffrey and Milton battling it out for the job. Both guys, though, have the size you want. They've got the mobility you want. And I think they're going to be upgraded at the quarterback spot. I do think with Michigan, their window to win the Big Ten East was probably last year. Yes. Might have closed a little bit this year. They only have five returning starters on each side of the ball. I think the East is Ohio State, Penn State. And then it'll drop off to a Michigan and an Indiana. Watch out for the Hoosiers. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Indiana's. I agree with you about Indiana. Indiana's very quietly built some depth on that football team. And you know where I think they built it. And I, I like your opinion on this, Phil. I think they built it in the trenches. Actually, yeah. I think they've always. I think they've always had skill guys. Yeah, and you know the one thing about Indiana through the years, Steve. I remember you probably remember Indiana maybe twenty years ago. They'd have linebackers that were like two hundred pounds, yes. one ninety-five. Yes, it was size in the defensive front seven. They had some players, but they always lacked size. These guys don't lack size. Their their defensive tackles are three hundred plus. Yep. Their defensive ends are two sixty. Their linebackers are two twenty-five, two thirty. This is a good size, deep defensive front seven. Tom Allen's doing a good job recruiting there, and even on the offensive line, they've got three guys and maybe even have NFL potential in Harry Kreider, Matthew Bedford, and Caleb Jones. So I agree with you 100%. Tom Allen's a defensive guy. You know he's going to try to build yes. the line of scrimmage. He's done that. This is a dangerous Indiana team that I think's got a chance of sneaking past Michigan this year. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. I think I agree with you about that, especially with Michael Penix, a quarterback. 
Uh, yeah. He gives them a different dimension. I know Peyton Ramsey, I think, is going to help Northwestern. You know, a the, lot. Yeah. By the way, the iron, you want to know the irony, Phil? I was yes. in uh, Evanston. It was the last game I did. It was Penn State Northwestern. I'm in the lobby getting ready to go up to my room, grab my bag, go down. Who am I standing talking with in the lobby? Peyton Ramsey, who was there visiting to make his <laughs> to make his commitment. <laughs> that is that is ironic. That, that is, is something, that is, yeah. And they're a good football team. They're on Penn State's schedule. What do you think of Northwestern? Because last year they could not move the ball, but they could stop you, especially with their linebackers. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed that out because not a lot of people realize Northwestern had a good defense last year. They only gave up 336 yards per game. They got nine starters back on defense. Patty Fisher is in what his 15th year there <laughs> at the linebacker spot. And, you know they've got Sam Dup Miller, Ernest Brown up front in the secondary. Greg Newsom at corner, J.R. Pace at safety. This is a very good Northwestern defense, and offensively that was their problem. I mean, the only they're almost Rutgers like on offense. They only yeah. averaged 16 points per game last year. Peyton. Ramsey's a big upgrade. Uh, and then you look at the offensive line, going over with Coach Fitzgerald. They're a, an offensive line that's solid. Rashawn Sl- Slater at left tackle, he's got a guy that could come out, or, or when he comes out this year, he could be a second-round pick. And this, the uh, receiving core's improved. The running backs are solid. I'm very bull. I've got Northwestern ranked as my number two most improved team in the country. And yep. remember, Pat Fitzgerald was 15 and one in Big Ten play heading into last year. Yes. And so this it's my typical stock market bounce. Where I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong last year. With that defense, they're going to be a contender in the West. Yeah, I agree with I agree with that completely. Because you look, there's certain things that travel with you. Your defense travels with you. If you got a really good running game, it travels with you. Right, and they, Absolutely. You know, and they've, they've got that. Uh, a team that Penn State will eventually have to deal with in this thing is Nebraska. Uh, you can't will a team back to prominence. Uh, so you can't do that. So where is Nebraska on the road back, in your opinion? Well, I'm going to say this, Steve. You know, uh, I had Nebraska as my most improved team in the country last year. And if you go back and look at my last 15 most improved teams in the country – they all showed a lot of improvement. They, they almost I'm all panned bitter. out. They almost all panned yeah, out. I'm, I'm a little bitter at Nebraska for yeah. disappointing <laughs> me last year. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, one of the main reasons why was probably quarterback play. Remember two years ago, yeah. Adrian Martinez was dynamic, had a great season as a yeah. freshman. You're like, wow, if he could do that as a freshman, what's he going to be like as a sophomore? And then he got banged right. up, yep. and he was nowhere near what he was the previous year. The defense, they haven't been the black shirt defense no. for ages, Steve. No. And they're not going to be this year. They only have five starters back. The potential's there for Nebraska, but they're playing in a pretty tough West. And I was burned a little last year, so I was a little gun shy with the Huskers this year. Yeah, I, you know, but there's also been a lot of turnover there. I mean, that's that's the other part too, because you track turnover. Look, a guy that would be mm, probably a guy they want to get maybe eight to twelve touches a game was J.D. Spielman, and he transferred out to TCU, and I think that's that's another setback for them. Absolutely. Now, they do have Wandale Robinson, yes, who was they do. banged up last year. Yep. Uh, and I like Dedrick Mills at running back. And if Martinez – we have a lot of ifs here. If, 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 then they could do something. But I'm going to wait to see it on the field this year. Yeah, We know Iowa's been going through some off-the-field turmoil at this point. But on the field, they're going to have to replace a quarterback <laughs> in Nate Stanley. When you look at Iowa, what do you see there, Phil? Uh, they're a pretty talented team, yeah. uh, and uh, Coach Coach Ferentz was was pleased with both Petrus and Padilla. 
uh, says that uh, Petras did a good job in the bowl prep. He's mature, committed, and a natural leader. So they're going to be okay at the quarterback position, okay. and they have a lot of talent. And when you look at Iowa, you know, the one thing that stands out is last year they are three losses, seven, five, two points. Yeah. That means you're basically three plays away from being undefeated right. last year. They were really good. Now, my other question would be, what Kirk Ferentz do with the Big Ten schedule maker? They not only draw Ohio State and Penn State out of the East, yep. they play them both on the road. I know. Oh, they play them both on back-to-back weeks. Oh, both Ohio State and Penn State are off a bye. Get serious. <laughs> That's a pretty tough two-game stretch there. Uh, other than that, they'd be a contender, I think, in the West. And I think they will be a contender. But that's how do you get, how do you draw a schedule like that? If I'm Gary Barta, I'm making a phone call saying, can I discuss something with you? <laughs> just, for, just for a moment. I think a couple issues. Uh, yeah. Uh, who would you have in your, in your final four when it's all said and done nationally, Phil? Oh, I'm going way out on a limb here, Steve. I'm taking Ohio State and Big Ten. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going with Clemson yeah. and the ACC. Yeah. Uh, okay. Alabama out of the SEC. Can I write these down? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel free. Yeah. Oklahoma, yeah, Oklahoma out of the Big 12. So I'm sticking my neck way out there this year. Uh, okay. <laughs> Phil, when did you become so daring? Yeah, I'm a risk taker. What can I say? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to throw one team out, though. I'll give you my number one surprise team, okay? A non-top ten team, I think, can contend for the playoff. Good. And I'm going to go with Texas A&M. Now, last year when I'm talking to Jimbo Fisher and going over the team with them, two things really stood out. Number one, they're playing a hellacious schedule. As it was, they took on the number one Clemson when they were number one ranked, number one Alabama when they were number one, number one LSU. Okay, that's three number one teams in one season, in plus fact, the number four and the number eight team. In fact, I want, to, I, I want to point out that you and I talked about this last year. That was the one thing we brought up about Texas A&M is that they could be really good and not have a great record. We said that. Right. You, you and I talked right. about that. And the, the other thing that stood out to me when I'm talking to Jimbo, they didn't have any seniors on the team. Right. And it's like, wow, this is a, a young team playing a brutal schedule, so they may not be better record-wise. Now, what happened this year? Well, guess what? 17 returning starters, a veteran senior quarterback in Kellen Mond. Yep. They've got my number 13 offensive line, number 12 defensive line, number 9 linebackers, number 6 DBs. And their schedule drops to number 66. They might play one top 10 team this mm-hmm. year. So much better schedule, much more experience. And LSU had to go through Tuscaloosa to win that West last year. Sure and has got to go through Tuscaloosa this year. But if they can get that one game, Watch out, A&M could sneak into the playoff like LSU did last year, except it'd be a bigger thing because A&M's not going to be in anybody's top ten. Right, exactly, exactly. It would be one of those thunderous moments uh, for the SEC. Phil, it is always a pleasure. I, I, thank, I can't thank you enough for the time that you give us. So generous. Yeah, we should do this again, Steve. It was a lot of fun. I don't think we touched on a lot of topics, so let's do this again in a couple of weeks. Let's do it in a couple of weeks. I agree with that because there's a lot of topics we have to get to outside the Big Ten. Phil. Yeah, and can I throw one thing out, Steve? Please. If you're out there looking for my magazine yes, this year, please. We, did, yes. we, we, we did two things completely different. We really limited the distribution. So we went from printing 200,000 copies to 50,000 yep. copies. And the only places you can get it are Barnes & Noble and Books a Million. So if you go to Barnes & Noble and Books a Million, there are exclusive dealers this year. Or you could go to our website, which is philsteel.com. But those are the only places. So don't bother going to Walgreens and Public all right. and all those other places out there. Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, philsteel.com. And we got two Barnes & Noble outlets right here in the State College. Awesome. Area. Perfect. Awesome. Phil, thank you. Look forward to talking again in a couple of weeks. That was great. Sounds great, Steve. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you. 
trade in and trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia. Now until the end of the month, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you more. That's right, more than your car is worth. Take advantage of Kia's first ever trade-in assist bonus cash. Get an extra $1,500 on third row 2020 Serenos. There's 22 available with savings up to $7,025. SMC has an extra $1,000 on the versatile 2020 Sportages. There's 27 available with savings up to $4,655. Plus an extra $1,000 on the stylish 2020 Kia Soul with 17 available and savings up to 44.24. The demand for quality pre-owned vehicles is at an all-time high. So stop in Sunbury Motors Kia for your upgrade today. Trade in, trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Retail trade and assist applies for model year 2000 or newer Kia or competitive model. 